Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week, Pastor Pat McCain talks about the man that was born blind, seeing again. Pastor McCain also talks about how we can be blind, but can also fully see when Jesus comes into our hearts, and that this world hungers to be seen by God and to be seen by His love. And I love what the blind man said. Whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. All he knew was that his life was changed and he wasn't the same. That happens when Jesus comes into our hearts. The world, by the way, hungers for that kind of love. They hunger for a Jesus that notices the unnoticed, that sits down with sinners and eats with them, that welcomes and actually gives preference to the poor and the needy, that understands hardships and suffering, that sees us and loves us. Last week, uh, David, you did such a great job preaching about the woman at the well and Jesus' encounter with her and is actually one of the most uh, powerful and meaningful services uh, or sermons that I've heard, and you can find it on our podcasts, and I hope you'll go there and listen to it. And um, it was all about how Jesus could uh, actually saw this woman that everybody else overlooked and judged. And today, as we journey through John on our way to the wondrous cross, we're going to be staying in that theme of, of how do we see things and, and how do we see people? How does God see us and how do we see life? And we're uh, it really, I think if I was going to talk sum up this sermon today, it would be about mud pies and new eyes and changed lives. And the, the whole scene takes place in Jerusalem at one of the most crowded times of the year. Pilgrims from all over had descended by the thousands and packed the streets for the Feast of Booths. And the Feast of Booths, or Sukkot as it's now called, was that festival in which the people of God would remember their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land and how they would have to worship in different booths or tabernacles along the way. And so they still erect booths and tabernacles just to remind themselves of that special time in their lives. And and it was uh, it was as we talked about. Uh, Jerusalem south by southwest, it was hugely crowded, and it was through these packed streets that Jesus and the disciples were walking along, and Jesus noticed a blind man sitting by the side of the road, a man who had been born blind, and the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who's to blame for this, we kind of like that zone, don't we? That blame zone. Who sinned? This man or his parents? This was actually a deep-seated uh, belief or superstition of that day that if somebody had a sickness or a disability or a hardship or was suffering, then it must be linked to either their sin or their parents' sin. And it was actually a very convenient theology, especially if you were healthy and nothing was wrong with you. You appeared to be very close to God, did you not? But Jesus 
took a very different approach to this, and he helped us understand that suffering um, is much more complex and very difficult for any of us to understand. And you can see that in the way that he responded to his disciples. He said, uh, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So he's already breaking the stereotype and belief of the day. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Jesus was saying that suffering and hardship could have a divine purpose. Certainly, Jesus' suffering had a divine purpose. Certainly, this blind man's suffering would have a divine purpose. And once in a while, we see even in our own lives that our suffering might as well. Usually, at least in my own life, I get a, just a short, brief glimpse of God's work in my life through hardship. In fact, most of the time, God seems and feels very far away for that. But every once in a while, especially in the lives of others, going undergoing something much more difficult than I've ever experienced in my life, I see God's grace and power beautifully displayed. And you know what I'm talking about. And it inspires our hearts. Well, Jesus was saying that in this case, with the man born blind, that God was going to do something in his life that would put his power and Jesus' identity on full display for the world to see. I must say it that the way Jesus went about this miracle um, was incredibly strange. Perhaps I'm the only one, but as I read the story and as I leaned into it, I realized that this very little conversation took place. The man did not ask Jesus, hey, will you heal me? In fact, when uh, Jesus could have just said the word and the man would have been healed. Instead, Jesus went up to the man and he knelt on the ground and he took some dirt in his hands and then he spit in the dirt began to mold it. He spit some more and molded it into a mud pie. And when it was moist enough, he took the mud and he inserted it in the sockets and the eyes of the blind man. I wonder what in the world was going through the blind man's eyes as this was happening. Was he afraid? Was he resisting? Did he have to tell the disciples, hold him down, boys? I got to get to his eyes. I don't know. In fact, he might not have even realized it was Jesus until Jesus told him to go and washed. And then he would have recognized the voice. This was an incredibly weird scenario. And John spends the entire ninth chapter of his gospel explaining it to us. And it, as strange as it is, it does for me echo back to something I'm very familiar with. And maybe you are too. In Genesis chapter two, how our God, the creator of the universe took dirt from the ground and formed man into existence. We call that first man, Adam, which in Hebrew literally means of the earth or of the ground or even more literally of the red soil. We were reminded of that 
history on Ash Wednesday when we gathered in this place and we put ashes on your forehead with these words, remember you are but dust. Remember you are but dirt and to dirt you shall return. How beautiful it was that Jesus, the creator of the universe, was now using that same dirt to give new life and new sight to the man born blind. So he says to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. This was probably the first time Jesus uh, was recognized by the blind man. He, this sounds like the Nazarene who was preaching in the temple. And so he went through the crowded streets of Jerusalem, half a mile to the pool of Siloam. He would have had to bump and shove against other people, and they must have thought quite a sight he was because mud was dripping down his face. It was a foreshadow, I believe, maybe of how you and I are called to walk, by the way, by faith, not by sight. On his way to the pool of Siloam, he gets there. There's hundreds of pilgrims there watching the priests take the water out of the pool for their rituals in the temple. And they would have watched this man born blind plunge his muddy face into the pool. And they would have seen the expression on that face as he washed away the mud. And for the first time in his life, light penetrated on his optic nerves, and he could see for the first time. He must have yelled with joy, I can see, I can see. And they must have stood there in amazement. You know, for the last few months, Monica was concerned about her eyesight. And uh, she... uh, so much so that she, you know, had, she wears contact lenses. She had to wear reading glasses to be able just to see things. She just thought her eyes were just heading downhill. And so she went to the eye doctor just to get her eyes checked out. And the eye doctor said, your eyes are just fine. You have been wearing the wrong contact lenses that you ordered online. <laughs> And so she got new contact lenses, and I was standing next to her in the bathroom as she put on her new lenses, and you know what she said? I can see! I can see! And what a joy it is when you can see clearly. And what immeasurable joy this blind man must have experienced as he could see for the first time in his life. In fact, this transformation was so astonishing that even his friends and neighbors didn't recognize him. You heard it in our scripture reading. They asked him, how were your eyes open? And the man explained, this man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what happened. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? And he said, I don't know. How would he know? He's never seen him before. He wouldn't have recognized Jesus in a lineup. All he knew was his life was transformed. So they hauled him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Certainly they could explain how a man that was born blind could now see. And rather than rejoicing with the blind man who could now see, the Pharisees interrogated him. 
They started arguing about Jesus and how Jesus, who claimed to be God, could heal on the Sabbath. Then they hauled in his parents and they asked his parents, is this your son? Was he born blind? How did this happen? Yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. If you want to know what happened to him, why don't you ask him? He's of age. And the parents did this because they knew the Jewish leaders had already made up their minds about Jesus. And they refused to look at anything that was contrary to their worldview, even if it was right before their eyes. Anyone who saw things differently from them would be cast out of the synagogue, and that's what the parents feared, uh, feared because if you were cast out of the synagogue, you were cast out of the community. Does all this sound strangely culturally familiar? to how we treat people who see things differently than we do. The Pharisees had a cognitive bias. Actually, I think it was a willful blindness. They saw Jesus as a sinner, and they refused to look at anything that would not align with that particular belief. It's easy for us to put God in a box, is it not? We like to form God in our image, someone, something that we're very comfortable with, but Jesus comes into the world to shatter that box. He's the one that turns the molecules of water into wine. He would be the one that would take two loaves and five fish and feed thousands. He would give hearing to the deaf. He would cause the lame to walk. He would raise the dead. He would even cause the blind to see. Jesus revealed a God that could do anything, a God without limits. We need a God like that, do we not? But if you're like me, every once in a while, we'll put God in a comfortable little box I have to confess this morning, one of the little boxes I put God in, I'm really not proud of, but it was true. I had a box about women preachers. I didn't think women preachers were a thing. I wasn't raised in the church, so I never had a woman who was a pastor, and I'd never heard a woman preach, so I just assumed that that was a man's job. Until I heard a woman preach. It was decades ago, but I still remember to this day, as clear as I can remember, a Methodist evangelist by the name of Reverend Barbara Brokoff powerfully delivered the good news with passion and conviction. In a way that moved my soul, the anointing of God was strong upon her life. And for that moment, it became a paradigm, more than a paradigm shift for me. It became a much-needed paradigm leap in my life to remind me not to limit who God, what God can do, who God can love, or who God can call to do his work. And still today, I pray for a teachable heart that'll be open to what God wants to do.
the Pharisees were blinded to the truth about Jesus because of their pride and because of their own hardness of heart. They said, we know Jesus is a sinner. And I love what the blind man said. Whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. All he knew was that his life was changed and he wasn't the same. That happens when Jesus comes into our hearts. That's what our baptism journey is all about. That when Christ comes in our heart in an unexplainable way, our lives are transformed. We don't see ourselves. We don't see life. We don't look at other people with the same eyes because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. We can't understand it fully, but we know that our lives are different. We were lost and now we're found, we were blind, and now we see thanks be to God. This story reminds us that we don't have to believe or understand everything in order to believe it. I like the way Andy Stanley wrote about it one time. He says, we don't have to understand everything to believe in something. That is so true. We live by that every single day. We don't understand love, yet we believe in it. If you've been watching sports, you don't understand March Madness. You don't understand why maybe David and I can't sing as well as Crossroads people. You certainly don't understand why Brad would be an LSU fan. You know, there's some mysteries out there. But we don't have to believe, we don't have to understand everything to believe in something. We don't have to understand all the deep mysteries of the universe in order to place our trust and faith into the one who loves us. Jesus came to reveal a God who can do anything and a God whose love extends far beyond those we may even think worthy. I remember Monica and I were stationed in in, uh, Herbertfield, Florida, and uh, we were part of a special operations community, and our neighbors, none of them were part of a church. Um, And we decided that we wanted to get our neighbors, so we invited our neighbors over for our potluck and Bible study. To our surprise... They came, and I'll never forget J.J. and Lori walking in the door, and this was going to be their first Bible study. Lori came in with a wonderful casserole, and J.J. came in with one of his kids in his left arm, and in his right arm, he was uh, packing a six-pack of beer, and so he must have seen the look of surprise on my eyes. This was the first for me, for anybody to bring beer to the Bible study. But he said, I hope, he looked at me and said, I hope it's okay, chaplain. I brought enough to share. <laughs> so, well, let me tell you. I don't remember how the Bible study went, what we talked about that night. All I know is that there was nothing left of that beer by the time the Bible study ended. 
But those precious couples are still a part of our lives. And our lives are richer because of our encounter with them. I am so glad that we welcome them warmly into our homes and into our lives. All they wanted was just a safe place to ask questions, to grow in their faith, and to understand um, about God and his love. And I'm so grateful that we could be a part of that. The world, by the way, hungers for that kind of love. They hunger for a Jesus that notices the unnoticed, that sits down with sinners and eats with them, that welcomes and actually gives preference to the poor and the needy, that understands hardships and suffering, that sees us and loves us and meets us where we're at. The healing of the blind man, yes, reveals that Jesus is the Messiah, but it does something more. It reveals to us how we are to live, how we are to live out our faith with an open mind to people who have different life experiences than us, with an open heart to people who are struggling, suffering, maybe have questions and doubts in their lives. Because it's true, we don't understand everything and we don't need to understand everything to believe in something. And today we can anchor ourselves in the fact that our God loves us and our God can and will do anything for us, for his sake and for the sake of his kingdom. So if your life is messy or muddy right now, take heart. May you see with new eyes a God powerfully at work in your life and in people around you. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we're so grateful that even in the story of this blind man, after the Pharisees threw him out, you sought him. And the story ends with you seeking him out and looking him in the face and expressing your love to him. So God, we're thankful that he could not only see, but he was able to see you. May we see clearly today as well. As we look into your face and into the faces of one another, may you open our eyes and open our hearts to the reality of your love and grace and power. We pray this in the name of the one who loves us, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. 
For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.